Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the Eagles are coming off one of the worst losses in recent memory as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 155. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell to discuss what we saw from the Eagles against the New Orleans Saints, but honestly... It's more important to shift our focus ahead to the New York Giants and really the entire three-game stretch for the Eagles against their NFC East foes. Greg and I will talk about Sunday's game against the G-Men and focus in on the top matchups on both sides of the ball. Next up, we'll transition to my scouting report where I'll go through my notes on safety Landon Collins and what I thought of him coming out of Alabama just a few years ago and how he's transitioned so far to the NFL. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. I caught up with Greg Cosell this week to discuss the Eagles, that loss against New Orleans, and how this team will match match up with the New York Giants on Sunday. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, none other than NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, we are now one day removed from this uh, from this loss against the New Orleans <laughs> Saints. It, it was a tough watch live. You know, you and I spent the day yep. watching it there on a Sunday afternoon, just to about. Uh, 30 yards away uh, in the other studio over here at the Novacare Complex. But uh, watching through the tape here Monday morning, uh, obviously it was tough to relive the game once again. Uh, just We're not going to dive too deep into this game, obviously, just because there's not a, a lot that really needs to be said. But anything different based off what you saw on film than what we saw live watching it on TV? I think it's time to look ahead, Fran. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it's they obviously played a really good team. Defensively, they got stuck with not a lot of bodies, particularly in the secondary. Uh, and really, even up front, because there were meaningful parts of the game, as you know, where Josh Schwett was out there, where McGill was out there, where Hester was out there. And again, it, no disrespect to those players, but they probably had to play a lot more snaps than you'd like to see them play. Yeah. Uh, but it was really the secondary, just all the injuries and uh, obviously Jim Schwartz chose to play a little more man coverage with the thought being that he was just not going to give up easy throws to Drew Brees, who if you play a high percentage zone, he's just going to pick you apart. But it's just hard to play man coverage with the bodies that he put out there. And he, he went with it. He lived with it. That was the result. Um, when, when you're playing in your nickel package for most of the second half with Devontae Bosby, Bosby, Cravon LeBlanc, Chandon Sullivan, and Corey Graham – as four of the five DBs. Correct. Like that's, that's tough sledding. It's tough sledding. And, uh, you know, obviously, it, I know there's a lot of talk when a, when a score is like that, that they didn't show up and all that. You know, that that's after the fact, you know, media talk. Right. Um, you know, offensively, it's a lot of the issues that have sort of been part of the season. Uh, they've been able to camouflage some of them because, as we've discussed before, a lot of the offensive metrics were pointing up before last before yesterday. Uh, certainly third downs were better, red zone was better, but we know they've not been able to run the ball consistently, whether it's due to efficiency or commitment or both. 
We know that the offensive line throughout the year has had some issues in pass protection, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's scheme or whether it's missed assignments, and there were a couple of those yesterday. Uh, you know, we know that they don't really have dynamic weapons uh, on the perimeter, guys who can really stretch the field vertically and create the kind of voyage that you'd like to create uh, against a defense. Yep. So, you know, a lot of the things they've been able to sort of camouflage and compensate for showed up yesterday against arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, and when you have those kind of scenarios, and, you know, we've heard, we've heard a lot from Doug Peterson so far. I've listened to almost all of the media uh, sessions he's done, even since the end of the game. I mean, his post-game press conference, he had his, uh, his one-on-one interview with Mike Quick that we post mm-hmm. over on the Eagles Game Day Central podcast channel. Uh, so go and check that out if you haven't already. Um, you know, his press conference here on Monday, his one-on-one with Dave Spadaro. Uh, you know, we had him in studio, his one-on-one with Angelo Cataldi on 9 a.m. on 94 WIP. Like, I've listened to all of them and just, you know, just want to hear Doug talk about the game. And throughout, you get to hear you know, him talk about it. It's not just you know Carson Wentz. It's not just Alshon Jeffrey. It's well, not it never just is Jenkins. right. But talking about his play, you know, the playmakers, the guys that are out there that are you know the starters on the team. You know, make the plays when they come to you. You know, don't try and play outside of yourself. And that's what you almost see in situations like this, where you know it's, it's things aren't going well. You know, guys are going down. Guys start to press a little bit, and I think that that's one thing that you know he's he said multiple times that they're trying to guard against. They're trying to make sure that guys really just kind of do your job, and, and that's the thing is everyone takes do your job is you know only worry about what you have to do, execute your thing. But it's more don't try and do anyone else's right. job. Just do what the defense or the offense will do what the opposing team well, gives you. You know, this is not a profound statement, but I think something that really needs to happen as we look forward to the Giants game is their offense needs to really be better early in games. Yeah. because And again, like I said, that's I'm not saying anything that people listening are going to go, wow, that's a great point. You know, obviously every team to some degree scripts opening drives with the idea that they're going to score a touchdown. But they've really struggled early in games. Even in the games they had won, you know, prior, they'd really struggled early in games. Uh, I mean, obviously the loss to Dallas, they struggled early before they came back and tied it. Even against Jacksonville in London, uh, the Goddard, the Dallas Goddard touchdown came late in the first half, which put them ahead at that point. But they were struggling up to that point before they won that game. So there's just something missing early with this offense. And I don't, obviously you don't have a lot of time to do some major self-scouting, but you have to try to figure out a way whether it's doing the things that you believe you you do better, whether it's tweaking a few things, whether it's just maybe saying what the hell and just calling things in a different order than you might normally do, the, whatever it is. But the offense, it's just too hard. This defense with all the injuries is really not good enough to be the sustaining element for the team. Yeah, I I, I'm interested to hear your take on this too. You know, this happens. This happens all the time, not just in Philadelphia, but all you know nationally as well as well as in other cities. The, you get these buzzwords, uh, you know, surrounding. You know, it's not just in football either. It could be with NBA, MLB. These bud, buzzwords around the game. Right. And right now, one of the buzzwords in Philly is scripted plays. You know, because of the issues that the Eagles have had in the first right. quarter. Tell us what your your understanding of the process is when it comes to building out the quote-unquote script 
for a game and what that kind of looked because Doug Pearson kind of touched on it a little bit that it's not just oh the first fifteen are the very first fifteen. No, plays. they're not. That's not so. Just take us right. through what your assemblages <clears throat> right. of how that is built. Yeah, scripted plays is not a literal thing. Uh, obviously, you have certain plays based on film study, based on what you do well versus what you anticipate from the defense, um, based on tendency and probability that you feel good about. Yep. But you always go away from that script within the first 15 based on down and distance, based on field location, based on any number of things. It's yep. not just a literal listing of plays that you run in the exact order. Right. Um, but clearly, you're doing your work all week. And play calling is a function, and play design is really a function of many things. Uh, it's a function of your players. It's a function of what they do well. It's a function of your study of the defense, what you anticipate from them in given down and distance situations, um, field location situations. Yep. You know, it's because the one thing I've learned over the years in speaking to both offensive uh, coaches and defensive coaches, is they have a pretty good feel for what the opponent is doing. Because what people have to understand is, both on the offensive side and on the defensive side, there's not 50 plays that they choose from. Right. You know, defense, let's say on first down, I remember talking to a very good friend of mine who's been in this league for a long, long time, telling me that, hey, on first and 10, the opponent's going to be in one of two coverages. They're not going to be in one of six coverages. Yep. You know, so you're, you're ideally hoping to, to be able to, to take advantage knowing what they're going to be in or feeling real good about what they're going to be in, yep. and the Eagles just haven't been able to do that. Yeah, and it's the, the best analogy that I can come up with. I forget if I said this uh, with you on the podcast last week or if I was talking to somebody else, but the best analogy I can come up with is, you know, imagine like a master chef. Right, and they've got this math, this giant book of recipes that you know that's like their go-to. They lean on it's a, you know a big, thick book right. full of recipes, and they're going to go and make a dinner for this special occasion, and they need to go and make a nice menu. You're not going to be handed a menu that's 500 pages long. You're no. going to be handed a menu that's you know one, two pages. Right, long. exactly. So the chef is going to pick out over the course of the week what are the meals that I'm going to use for right. appetizers and for, you know first course, second course, third course. It's the same exact thing for coaches. When they're building the weekly game plan, it's not just, all right, this is the whole playbook. We're throwing it in, and this is what I've got at my disposal. You're going to go in and say, okay, here's my recipe for third down. Here's my recipe for uh, for red zone. Here's right. my recipe for first and second down, backed up. You know, all those different situations. We talk about situation football, two-minute. You know, all those different situations, they all get talked about. Throughout the course of the week, right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get put into the game plan, and now Doug Peterson, yep. every every play, there's going to be a series of, you know, it could be anywhere as low as like three to four or up to upwards of 10 to 15 plays that he can kind of pick from on any given situation. Right, and it's probably not quite as many as 10 to 15. I was thinking right. more for first and second down, oh, those oh, initial, those, right, those, those right, scripted, right, quote right, unquote, right, scripted plays. Right. That's, that's really going to be their biggest, sure, that's what the meat is. exactly. But... Um, yeah, so I don't know. So maybe, as we said, maybe you're you're trying to change some of that a little bit this week just yeah. to step outside of, of tendency. You're trying to self-scout right now because, look, coaches know their players. You know, a lot of times fans think coaches, oh, what are they doing? They know their players better than we do, Fran. Yeah. yeah and, there's and reasons for everything. There's reasons for everything. Even when it doesn't work, there's a reason. And if, if a fan was sitting with the coach and the coach explained the reason, the fan would say, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, obviously, they, it doesn't always work, but 
there's some limitations with personnel within this offense, so you have you're working around that. You're trying to work through that. You don't have every dimension you'd like to have within this offense. Yep, no question. I, I agree. It's you know they're going to have to figure it out. They've got this three game stretch, and we can kind of start moving yeah. forward here. They've got this three game stretch coming up, and they can't look at it really as a three game stretch. It's no, a, a series of, of one game stretches because uh, they can't go. They can't worry about going uh, seven and six. They've got to worry about going five and six. Correct. And, uh, that starts this week with the New York Giants. We'll kind of dig into this matchup, and we'll go uh, kind of step by step here and just look at the matchup on both sides of the football. Let's start with the Eagles' offense against this Giants' defense. And I think, you know, we go back uh, to that last game. It was obviously the Eagles' most productive game of the season offensively. They scored 34 points. 34-13 was the final score. I guess we'll start with Carson Wentz, and we'll start the question off with what did you think overall of the way that Carson played uh, here on Sunday against New Orleans? And then we'll transition into this matchup as well. Carson did not have a real good game against the Saints. I, you know, I, I think that the interception to me, uh, which was – was that the second or third possession? The third possession. They went three and out, three and out, then the interception. Right, yeah. right. You know, that was sort of symptomatic to me of, of, of his game because he did not see that, and that was not a difficult thing to see. Uh, so he, I don't think he was very sharp mentally – uh, I thought that his ball placement wasn't real strong, uh, and uh, again, he he ended up playing the whole game, but obviously he did not play well. Um, you know, I think even though they've come back in games where they've been down throughout the course of the season, they've never been down really big. This offense is not built they to come from behind if they're down twenty four seven. It's right. just yep. because of the the lack of weaponry. They, you know, it's it's always easy to blame the quarterback, and and Wentz would probably be the first to tell you that hey he didn't play well and I'll take the blame. Yep. That's the position, no question. But uh, th- there's just a lot of limitations. Yeah, which it's a real interesting mix this year with this team, Fran. As we sort of transition a little bit to to the Giants, it's a real interesting mix because they've got some limitations on both sides of the ball. So it's. It's sort of how do you go about building a game plan that kind of camouflages and compensates for those limitations? And it's it's not an easy thing to do. I'm sure fans think it is because they were the Super Bowl champs last year. Right. But this is a different year and a different team, and it's it's just hard with, with what they're lacking to really be – you know, to put it all together, so to speak. But now they're playing a Giants defense, if we stay with the Eagles offense, that's not been very good this year. Uh, you know, and as you said, a lot of their metrics are bad. Very bad. They don't rush the quarterback. They have 11 sacks. Only the Oakland Raiders have fewer. They're not very good on third down. Four third down sacks all season. Yeah. 30 seconds. That's worse than the league. You know, they have James Betcher as their defensive coordinator, and I know James Betcher, and I've talked with him a number of times at the Combine, and I like him a lot, but he's chosen with this particular group not to blitz very much when he was in Arizona. And, and again, now you get to personnel, too. You know, he, in Arizona, he blitzed a lot, and that was a really difficult defense to play against. With the Giants, he's not blitzing anywhere near as much. Yeah. He probably doesn't feel he has players who can do that. Um, he's had to mix and match quite a bit in the secondary. I mean, they're playing Grant Haley, the rookie from Penn State, at slot corner. They're playing Chandler, who's a, who's a safety, playing him snaps at slot corner as well. Yeah. So 
just like Temple the kid. yeah, just like the Eagles are, are sort of searching in their secondary. I think the Giants are doing the same. Webb playing on the outside is not an outside corner. No. Yeah. So they're they're kind of groping and searching and trying to figure it out and just get through the games. Yeah. So they they traded it. last time we faced them. Uh, they had Eli Apple, right? Snacks Harrison. They had Ray Ray Armstrong. All three of those guys were key players in that game. Right. Not going to play. They're not on the team right now. Uh, they trade Eli Apple. So you move BW Webb from the nickel to outside. Grant Haley, the rookie, steps up. They're playing a little bit of big nickel. Michael Thomas is the other safety. He'll play a lot of big nickel. They'll mix in the use of dime as well. Um, but yeah, it's a very young, inexperienced second. Secondary. Uh, Curtis Riley, the, the free is the free safety. Landon Collins, the strong. Yep. We know about Landon Collins. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about him a little in a little bit. But you know, Landon Collins, a versatile guy, and he certainly uh, has a, a good skill set. He's a starting safety in this league. But uh, outside of that, it's it's been there's not much that group. Yeah, and Janoris Jenkins is obviously he's a he's a, very he's a solid player. NFL yes. corner. Yep. I don't think he's having his best season, but he's a solid NFL corner. Is he still shadowing a no. number one? Today? No. So he's no. right corner with BW. And by the way, in the corner. first matchup, he did not he didn't travel Alshon. with Alshon. No, he did not. So they haven't done that as much. Yeah. Um, now, who knows? They could change. Again, they're searching, too. And they've been unable to rush the quarterback. Their primary pass rushers are Olivier Vernon, who can be good, yep. but he's not really been that guy since he came back and I think his first game his back first game was, was the Eagles. Us. Yeah. Yeah, and he had a good game that game. Yeah. And uh Lorenzo Carter is not yet a pass rusher. Not Whether not he yet. turns into one, we'll find out. Yep. Yeah, Kareem so, Kareem Martin and Connor Barwin. Connor Barwin. Yep. I mean, they don't really have any edge rushers. And their interior players are actually not bad at times against the run, but they're not pass rushers. Yeah, I mean Dalvin Thompson's a good run player. Uh, you know, Josh Morrow is starting now. Right, with, uh, with Hill is starting. Yep, Josh Hill. I liked BJ him. Hill, rather, yeah, BJ so. Hill. I liked him coming out of college. Yep, sure. You know, they're they're run players. Yep. No, I agree. They're kind of line of scrimmage players. Yeah, yeah. Three four scheme that kind of yeah. works. Um, but when you go to passing downs and nickel package, it's it's obviously not. So ideal. I mean, again, now you're dealing with an eagle offense that you feel could move the football. You know, obviously Zach Ertz is is always the number one weapon for the Eagle offense yeah. and uh, did not obviously have a big game against the Saints, but he's the number one guy. And and Zach Ertz is a terrific player, but he's he's a short to intermediate receiver. That's essentially what he is, unless there's a particular scheme to play that gets him a little more down the field yeah. at the deeper intermediate or, or vertical levels. But he's not a vertical guy, uh, but he's really the main guy. Um but even though we just talked about the, the lack of a consistent pass rush for the Giants, the Eagle line, I think, has to play better, too. I mean, it started early in this game. He had Dallas Goddard, Carson had Dallas Goddard wide open. Um, was that on the first series, I believe? He had Golden Tate open on the first series. I think the Goddard one was the second series. Okay, the Goddard one was the second yeah. series, and Lane Johnson got shoved back into yep, the pocket by, by Cameron Jordan, and uh, the ball just went into the ground. You know, yeah. little things like that. Pass protection has been a little bit of an issue. Yeah, you know, the uh, the sack on third and three from midfield, right around midfield was – Look, I mean, he had Zach Ertz wide open over the middle mm. of the field. You know, Carson hit the top of his drop, uh, off play action. And you know, you could talk about, like, the play call and all that. The fact of the matter is they called the play, and the play was there to be made. Correct. Uh, it would have been a big gain over the middle of the field. It would have gotten them inside the red zone. Uh, well, you know how it works. When plays aren't made, then it's a bad call. When plays are made, it's a good call. Right. That's so, the way it know, works. Sheldon Rankins uh, gets by Stefan Wisniewski, who's playing at center at that point, for Jason Kelsey. Uh, and Rankins got home, got home for the sack. So uh, that yeah, was the I one I think where there was an assignment breakdown. If I'm not, or was that the, did he just lose one on one? That one was tough because yeah. initially 
So I know the there was one was, that was an assignment breakdown, and Ryan, I can't remember who's so that play. was head up all over Wiz. Yeah. And it looked like it might have been a four-man slide. Yeah. If that was the case, yeah. and I think Wiz may have thought that he had yeah. Isaac to his left yeah. helping. But I don't know, because they had somebody looping across. Yeah, phase, yeah. So Isaac kind of peeled I off. was trying to figure that out, too. I couldn't tell whether that was just on Wiz or whether it was an assignment I breakdown. Tend to, I tend to think it was on Wiz. Yeah. But, uh, again, but the point is, these so things much. were happening. No question. That's yes. the point. Like, that's, you know? that's the issue. <laughs> right. And then they keep happening. They, they, they keep it's, happening. It's across the board. It's right. just one guy. No, you know, no. Each week. I mean, it's... It's been across the board. It was a problem the last time these two game, these two teams. Correct. Played. I mean, they, look, Carson Wentz uh, had a couple of big plays in scramble drill. Uh, they were able to get a couple of penalties down the and field. And you can't rely on that. No, you, you can't. can't. And don't forget, that was the game that started out with the interception. Right. And, and yeah, they had the, the short point. field, and they yeah. were able to score a touchdown right off the bat. You can't count on that either. off a scramble drill. Right. He broke the pocket. Right. Was was right. Re- that was when he hit Alshon. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, yeah. Those, the outside of structure plays can't be counted on on a week-to-week basis. Yep. So it's going to be one of the big matchups to watch, certainly, yeah. uh, that defensive line against the offensive line. And also in the run game, I mean, especially with Snacks not there, teams have been able to run on this Yes, team. You're getting yes. a little bit more push inside that I did not see in the first No, game. and I actually thought the Bucks ran the ball pretty well. Peyton Barber ran, ran the ball hard. well. He did. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's, you know, if they're, if they're able to get things going on the ground, I think that'll go a long mm-hmm. way here uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh you mentioned that, you know, obviously the Eagles in the passing game couldn't get a ton going no. uh, this past week. But uh, the matchups, you know, you're looking at Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Golden Tate, uh, you know, Jordan Matthews as well. Jordan Matthews continues to see a lot of snaps. Uh, the two tight ends as well going up against this group. The, the one group we didn't talk about for the Giants yet, that linebacking core, which is interesting to watch in the rotation because. Uh, well, it's Goodson and Ogletree in their base. Yep. And then they bring in this kid, Tay Davis, from Tennessee Chattanooga, who was right. a safety in college. Correct. So he's. He's the athletic nickel linebacker who plays with Ogilvy. In college, I did not. I didn't either. I had to look him up. I did too. But he was a safety for his first three years and got moved to linebacker his his last year. But he's an athletic kid. Yeah, yeah. He plays only in nickel. Yeah. Um, You know, and they'll go, like I mentioned earlier, they've got a couple different nickel packages. So typically at 12 personnel, they'll go to that big nickel, and that big nickel might be Michael Thomas. It could be Sean Chandler. Correct. uh, Depending on the situation. But um, all right, I think that's. Probably anything else there, Eagles offense-wise versus defense? Um, uh, The final point I would make is when you don't have a true vertical stretch player and a true vertical dimension, the pass game has to be very schemed. And I think that's absolutely critical for the Eagles, and that's where I think this given week they have to take a hard look. Because you know those plays are in the playbook. Everybody has them. Of course. You know, everybody's playbook is big. It's... For them to be successful with the pass game, it has to be about scheme, not one-on-one matchups. Mm. The only guy I think you feel really good one-on-one is Ertz. I mean, can Jeffrey win one-on-one at times just because of his size? Yes, but he's not really – he's not a separator. So this has to be a schemed route concept, route combination game. They have to get – they have to orchestrate and manufacture people open. Primarily a man coverage defense uh, yeah. in New York as well. So uh, bust out the man beaters. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to the other side where uh, this Giants offense operating at a different level than what we saw in the first half of the season. And I got to tell you, you and I, before we, we started talking here, we're just chatting about Saquon Barkley. It was far and away his best game as a pro against the Bucks, and you can—it's it, irrelevant who, who the defense was. Yep. We know the Bucks are not a great Number defense. Number one takeaway from the game, without question, was Barkley 
what what have we talked about numerous times? It was never a question of Saquon Barkley's ability. We know that. But he had a big tendency to bounce, to try to look for the big play and the home run on every run, run from color. You know, I I think – I can't remember how I worded it. He was kind of a look-for-space runner. Right. In this game, he just they ran. First of all, the design runs were all inside runs, yes. except for maybe two of his twenty-seven runs. Did you see the quote from Shermer last week? No. So Shermer kind of kind of put it out there, said that he wanted to see more dirty yards and oh, more more tough yards. But that's the that's, NFL. If you're a nope. feature back, that's the NFL. Absolutely. And that's what and that's what we saw. That he's not time. a satellite back. He's not yeah. playing twenty snaps a game. It it was. Eye-popping. Eye-popping. He ran so hard inside, and because of his size and incredible natural power, he'd stick it up. They ran a lot of inside zone, uh, and he would stick it up in there, and it looked like there wasn't a lot of space, and all of a sudden it was a nine-yard run. And he did that an awful lot in that game. Very, uh, it's just easy yards inside. Yes, I mean it's. But they weren't. They weren't really. Right. I mean, for, it looked, for him, he makes it look easy. Correct, but they were actually hard-earned kinds of runs. Yes, but it, you're right. It just looked like it wasn't a big because deal. He, he's a kind of guy like you know. It's funny we talk about Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber ran really hard inside. Peyton Barber picks up nine yards, and it looks like a guy that worked really, really hard to get those nine yards. Correct. He looks like he's you know he's put put his feet in the ground you know nine or ten times to get those nine yards. It felt like Saquon Barkley in three steps was nine yards downfield. Correct, and he just picked. I mean, just was running through initial contact. Oh. Wasn't fa- I mean, yeah, it was. It was scary. Like Ben and I, Ben Fennel and I were looking at each other like, "This is a new Saquon." Like, oh yeah, not what we had seen. The last yeah, I mean, I, I, I. What did I say? Um, I, I know. I thought I brought my notes here. Giants offense. Um, I said this was Barkley's best game of the season as a runner. He ran downhill with decisiveness and power. And I could have said five more things. You know, it's just my way of sort of. Knowing what I saw, of course. but he that was that stood out after the first five runs. Yeah, I, it was very very early. So I think when you're looking uh, at Saquon Barkley, certainly in the run game, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, they, they came out. I think they ran four straight times. Yeah, at least five. Of well, the he had 27 rushes, which I, it wasn't the most runs he's had any be. game I, this year. I'd have to look. But yeah, I, it might be. Yeah, uh, and then you look at. Uh, him in the passing game as well. Not as much yesterday, but no. in the weeks Of course, past. that was the only incompletion. They had him on the wheel route, and he was wide open against the linebacker. I, I believe it was a linebacker, yeah, it was it not? a fun breakdown play. Yeah, it would, it would have been great. Um, so that was the one incompletion for Eli Manning. But uh, there, I know the San Francisco game, they used him on wheels. They used him on yeah. arrow routes. They had, you know, the San Francisco was trying to double-team him out of yep, the backfield, yep. and he, they had no answers for him in the no. passing game. Uh, so certainly something that the Eagles will have to make sure that they account for in this game. We know about the the kind of talent that Saquon is. He saw he busts those two long ones uh, against the Eagles. His last time. balance is, you know, I, I'm always loath to say just because there's been so many players and I've done this for a long well, you're time. Do a comparison? No, no, to say that a guy's the best I've ever seen. You know, I, I struggle to say that, but his balance is pretty good. So he's better than Bo Jackson in your mind. He's the greatest ever to walk <laughs> on the face of the earth. <laughs> He's the thing is with the balance too is that he's a guy that when he makes an athletic move doesn't change speeds. Right. Like that's I mean his ability to kind of transition and still maintain that top speed is really for a guy that big. Like you're used to seeing that with you yeah. know, a guy who's I mean he's 230 pounds. plus pounds. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's the Eagles defense knows they they, they know. Yeah, well, they of know. course he had those big plays right. the first time they played yeah. and yeah. That's a grown man running the football. Um, all right, let's talk about this passing game because improved dramatically over the last three, four tell, weeks. Tell us why. You know, I got to tell you, and, and we should talk about this in relation to the run game as well. They've made some changes on the O line. 
okay? And the center is, is a guy who's probably a journeyman, Spencer Pulley. Yep. But he's a big man. That's a good name for an O-lineman. It is. It is. They've had worse. They've had much worse. Yeah. Like, that's a much better name than, like, Guy Whimper. For <laughs> yeah. That's a bad one. That's a good point. So Spencer Pulley. I'm yeah. Like, we, we, you've been practicing that all day, or did that just, just come to you? Just, okay. That's that good, then. Thank you. You're performing here all I'm week? Here, I'm here until Thursday. Okay. Um, and, and now they signed a, a couple of weeks ago after he got cut, Jamon Brown. Yeah. Who's playing right guard. Yes. And he's a big man. He's a big man. And obviously they have Will Hernandez at left guard. So they've got three interior linemen who are big dudes, and it's really helped the run game. Now, uh, I wouldn't say that – I think Hernandez has pretty light feet. I wouldn't say that Brown and Pulley are dancing bears, but the protection has been better. Eli's been more comfortable. It's allowed – I mean, I still think Eli has a tendency at times to get to his checkdowns way too fast, right. and I think that that's been an issue for him later in his career. But if he's protected – he still can throw it, and with Beckham, Odell Beckham, again, we talked about Barkley. You know, they have two of the most dynamic players at their positions in the league. Yeah. When you watch last week, um, I actually just went through a, a bunch of Beckham plays because I thought I might do Beckham in the NFL matchup show for this game. It actually yeah. turns out Matt Bowen's going to take a look at that. But So I, I looked at, you know, maybe 40 Beckham plays. When you put him back-to-back like that, He's ridiculous. He's a good player. I mean, his movement. Uh, you, know, you talk about balance. You talk about explosiveness. Yeah. I mean, he's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I mean, really, the things that they're doing are lining him up inside. You know, with those tight splits and kind of giving him two way goes. That's something we haven't seen from this Giants no. offense really at all. You, we're seeing that with a lot of teams in the league, Fran. And yeah. I think it's a way, in an odd way. And I've been giving this a lot of thought. And I'm going to try to talk to coaches because maybe I'm wrong. Um, to me, it's a way to mimic the college game a little bit, the spacing of a college game, because obviously with the hash marks, the symmetry of the NFL yeah, game is different. I, I love this point, and I get what you're saying, but explain that to the listeners. Well, the college game, because of the wide hash marks, the wide side of the field is really wide, and it's very difficult to cover in college football just because there's so much space. Yep. And it's it's a body issue. You know, you can't put six bodies out there. So... There's just a lot of space. The NFL, you don't quite have that kind of space. The so hash marks are tighter. The hash marks are tighter. So, yes, do teams still think in terms of boundary field? They do. But it's just the symmetry of the game is different. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching a lot of these teams. The Rams were the last year when Sean McVay came yeah. in and did this. When you tighten your splits with your receivers, you're now giving them more room to work on each side. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it mimics the space of the college game. Now, again, like I said, I, I'm, this is just my little philosophy that I've come up with, and I'm going to try to talk to a lot of people who are smarter than I am to see if it makes sense. But the Rams are really good at it. It's very hard for corners to play inside and get real close to the formation versus tight splits. So you're almost, with your tight splits, forcing corners to play with outside leverage. Yep. And you almost have them beat to some extent. Right. And the Giants have been doing a lot more of that. And it's real when you have an explosive athlete like like Odell Beckham and even Sterling Shepard, no not as explosive, but he's yep. pretty he's got some pretty he's good quick. movement himself. Yeah. yeah. No uh, and I think too And even Evan Ingram. Yeah, well that's I was I was gonna say that because you said, you know, that you have two of the most dynamic in their position. Look, Evan Ingram's not a full time player for them right now. I mean he he 
Honestly, he barely played uh, yesterday uh, against the Tampa Bay Made Bucks. that huge play late. Made the huge play late. But he is one of the most dynamic tight ends oh, yeah. in the NFL. I don't you, think there's a question. You and I were that. both at the combine when he ran the 4-4-2 for, yeah. a, uh, for a 235-pound you know, tight end, as right. I do that in quotes. Sure. But that's essentially what he is. Yeah, and I think, too, in talking about the space <coughs> game, you and I talked about the formation to the boundary uh, yep. last week. I think that that plays a similar, no similar question. Kind of part. Uh, and, you know, the Giants – have been very, very good at trying to get Odell Beckham isolated down the field, intermediate routes, and he seems like he's wide open at times, and a lot of it has to be where he's aligned. I'm waiting for the Giants to do, just like the Saints do, to put Barkley and Beckham to the boundary. Don't give him any ideas. If Pat Shermer's listening to this, if if this happens on Sunday, I'm blaming you. You're right, because in the NFL, what normally happens to the boundary is even if teams are playing zone, you're almost forced to match up. Yeah. And if you put Barkley and Beckham to the boundary and you're going to try... You know, it's like when Kamara, Kamara, I should say, Kamara and Thomas are to the boundary, which the Saints do all the time. I mean, that's how Kamara yeah, on yeah. that fourth and five, right. when he beat Malcolm Jenkins, right. uh, Thomas was inside of him and the Eagles doubled Thomas. Yep. Yeah. So they doubled Thomas a good amount in this yeah. game, uh, the Eagles. And... It's going to be interesting to see how they, they try to handle Odell Beckham in this game. You know, we're, yeah. We don't know how shorthanded they're going to be. They doubled him a bit the first time. They yeah. did some things. They, they rolled over him yeah, a lot. They yeah, did a lot yeah, of rolling yeah. coverage. So that, you know, they're but their pa- Giants pass game is way better now than it was right. week five, was it? Week five six, or six. Five yeah, or six, yeah. yeah. So, but either way, it's going to be very interesting to see yeah. how they try to see if they match up. Because they didn't do a lot of, of pure man. They they did have a couple of designated yeah. doubles, especially down in the red zone in the fringe area. Um, but really, it was a lot of just rolling coverage that way. Right. With how the things have gone with pers- from a personnel standpoint, I'm interested to see how Jim And Schwartz the Giants have been playing them. really three guys as their third wide out. Benny Fowler's been getting most of the snaps the last couple of weeks. Russell Shepard gets a few snaps. And even uh, Corey Coleman gets a few snaps yep. here and there. Yeah. And say what you want about Corey Coleman. Obviously, he's got some issues because he's with about his, his 32nd team right now. But he can still run. He's a first-round pick for a reason. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line we talked about, really, I think the, this uh, this matchup, to me, it's going to come down to, to stopping the run offense because that the Giants want to run the ball. They, they they know that that's really kind of the lifeblood of where their offense is right now. I think that that's really where it's and all And that's, I mean, if, if Barkley is going to get eight, nine yards, that's a problem. So they get Tim Journey. It looks like Tim Journey is going to be back. He told reporters last week uh, that he'd be back for this game. We don't know. Where you know what he's going to look like? Right. We have no idea. We haven't seen him. <coughs> right. But if you're getting Tim Jernigan back, and it's a t- well, it's, it's another Jernigan, body that you need because, as we said, you know, again, it it's, takes nothing away from these players, but you know, McGill and Hester were playing a lot of snaps. Yeah. You know, you, you'd prefer to have Tim Jernigan playing those snaps. Yeah. Having Tim Jernigan next to Fletcher Cox, yeah. I think, will be uh, advantageous. That, that's that's something that you, you kind of look to be able to hang your hat on in terms of stopping the run in this game. I must say, though, Josh Sweat had a real, had a very nice pass rush. He was actually on the completion to Taquan Smith. It was Smith. the only time that Breeze was hit all day. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it probably was, but he, yeah, but he beat Jermaine, Jermaine Bushrod. Uh, yeah, no, that was the, probably the big flash play yeah, from, yeah. uh, from Josh Sweat in the game. But, uh, Greg, appreciate the time here as always. We will well, talk let's hope to we you. have a better outcome uh, this week, Fran. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll find out here on Sunday afternoon. We'll, uh, we'll be breaking down plays live uh, for PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app, so you can check those plays out uh, over the course of the game, so make sure you can kind of use it as a second screen. We'll try and put out as many plays as we can, and then uh, check out the All-22 review next Monday morning. Then we'll be back one week from tonight talking about this game here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Chalk Talk once again here with Greg Cosell. Thanks for joining us here on 
on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us that rating, give us that comment. And we got a great comment this week from Aster Oxnola, who left a five-star review and a comment on our Apple Podcast page page saying how much they love the show and how they listen each and every week Aster we really appreciate you tuning in thanks for the support and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com all right let's keep the show going earlier I told you we would dive into giant safety Landon Collins and my notes on him coming out of Alabama just a few years ago he's the subject this week in our scouting report dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report all right, so Landon Collins, six foot, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. You may remember he was viewed by most as a first-round prospect coming out of Alabama in twenty fifteen. A lot of people thought he was going to end up as an Eagle. There were a lot of rumors connecting him here to Philadelphia, uh, and obviously he ended up in New York. First pick to the second round, uh, the Giants traded up thirty-third overall to get him to start day two of the draft that season. Uh, lined up to the field in that base defense for Alabama and lined up in their nickel package at safety, but also was the dime linebacker. So he even lined up even at times as an edge rusher in some of their exotic rush packages. So the guy was asked to do a lot of different things. He was experienced playing one high, two high, some man coverage in the slot. He was a physical, tough kid who played with a really aggressive temperament. He was a big hitter on the back end. I really liked his playing personality. He ran the alley well. He looked patient. He understood how to take correct angles downhill in the run game. He was a really reliable one-on-one tackler who always looked to wrap up. He had a great motor, often made plays in pursuit, and he was an instinctive man coverage player. He did a nice job hip-pocketing with receivers at the top of routes, and he could click and close on on throws thrown in front of him, showed the ability to play the ball in the air, get it on the ground. He timed blitzes well, had that versatility getting after the quarterback. You know, From a negative standpoint, he did tend to play a little bit high, and therefore he looked a little bit stiff at times, didn't always look great in the middle of the field. I thought that his range overall as a center fielder was below average as that post safety, and I worried a little bit about his top-end recovery speed. Would he be able to hang athletically in the NFL? That was the major question I had, and I wrote that I thought that his absolute best fit would be in a role similar ironically, to how the Cardinals and James Betcher, who was on the staff, used Deion Buchanan. And he was very comfortable near the line of scrimmage. And while he could play man coverage in space, he didn't have great range as a post player, but would be fine in a scheme that utilized a lot of split safety looks. Physical, reliable player on the back end with the versatility to play a number of roles. Lone reservation I had, again, was his range as that post player. So I thought he was a plug-and-play guy as a box safety. Now, looking back on it, I had him as my 34th player overall. I did like him. He ended up going 33rd overall. I really liked uh, the overall evaluation. Going back and rereading my notes, I felt good about how I saw him. Safeties are really, really tough, and we can just get into that conversation just for a couple of reasons. At Alabama, I'll say, with Landon Collins and other guys that have come from that program, it is a bit easier because Nick Saban uses his guys in a pro-style scheme, and especially at that time, there were enough pro-style offenses in the SEC that you know you could make apples-to-apples comparisons with Collins. You'd see him line 
lineup in the box against a two-back set and fit the run as a C-gap player, take on contact at the point of attack and finish for a tackle in the backfield or near the line of scrimmage. You know, you could see him line up over a tight end and man-to-man. You could see him play single high. You could see him play two high. You could play match coverage. He could straight up man-to-man against a slot guy in space. You'd see him run the alley from distance against a running back. You'd see him blitz. So he was used in all of these different ways against other pro-style looks. And I remember back then, even thinking about him as a dime linebacker, I remember thinking, all right, Saban, you know, they've got extra defensive backs on the field. He's taking him away from space. He's using him as a linebacker. He'd play close to the line of scrimmage and wreak havoc. And I remember almost taking that as a bit of a negative, as if Saban didn't trust him to play in space. And I always kind of had that negative context in my mind. And while that may have been true, I've got to remember one of the cardinal rules of scouting. Ask not what the player can't do, but rather what can the player do for your team. And Collins was physical. He did a ton for that defense. Now, the reason why Collins is more of the exception and not the rule when it comes to projecting safeties is kind of twofold. Number one, we see a lot of safeties that are purely specialized now. You know, they may only play single higher. They may only play down in the box or may, may only play in the slot. And you get, especially, you know, in, in some of these conferences, like, you know, the, all these guys in the Big 12 or, you know, even in the Pac-12, they're only doing one thing. For, you know, 99% of the time, they're single high or they're playing only in the slot or they're playing down as, as basically as an extra linebacker. So you don't get to see them do all the different things that Landon Collins was asked to do at Alabama. Uh, it's not often that you see those guys used equally across the board in all of those different fashions. And then when you have offenses in college football – you know, it's much more of a space game, like we talked about with Greg Geller. At that level, while there are certainly plays in every game that you can evaluate and put positives and negatives on at that position, they are so far away from the ball. It's really It gets harder to kind of find those plays, uh, so you have to watch a ton of tape and really get a good feel for the safety position and all the different things that they'll be asked to do with Landon Collins. You can kind of paint that whole picture in a couple of games and have a good idea of what he brought to the table. But for someone like Armani Watts, the rookie from Texas A&M this year, or you know, even a guy like Buda Baker, who was a pretty high pick from Washington to the Arizona Cardinals the year before, there weren't a lot of plays that were apples-to-apples comparisons for what the guy would be asked to do in the NFL. And that's what makes evaluating safeties at times so, so difficult. So a uh, really, really interesting topic, something I'm sure we'll be talking about as well over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So make sure if you're an NFL draft fan or if you're starting to kind of you know, take your eye towards college football or entering a big time of year, make sure you go subscribe. Uh, give us a rating and leave us a comment there as well. But great stuff this week from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, again, take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another podcast in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Delphi. We will talk to you next week.